0: Well, good morning everyone. Great to be with you this morning. And for those joining us online, a special welcome to you from wherever you happen to be joining us from in the world today. Uh, glad that you're with us for this time. We are beginning a new series this weekend called Knowing Why. And the uh, whole thought behind this series is that sometimes, especially uh, in churches and in groups of people that gather like we do... There can be all these practices that we give ourselves to, good things like baptism and communion and prayer and celebration and community and all these things. And in so many instances, we can know what we're doing, we can know how to do it, but sometimes we've lost sight of the why. You know, there can be this herd mentality sometimes in churches as well, where as people do things and as ancient practices have been passed to us, we just continue in those things. And it's not wrong to know what we're doing and how to do it, but it's meaning, meaning is derived from knowing the why, of understanding what's behind something, the reasons why we give ourselves to something like baptism or communion. Even in a couple of weeks, Pastor Chris is going to be talking about the why of prayer. We can talk a lot about what to pray about and how to pray, but there are deep theological, doctrinal, biblical reasons for why we pray. Well, this weekend, being a baptism weekend, we get to celebrate baptism with some people this weekend, we're going to be talking about the why of baptism. We can understand what baptism is, it's getting in the water and how to do it, yet you go down and back up, but this weekend, I want us to recalibrate again on the why of baptism. Well, I mean, why get baptized? What's really behind it? And whether you've been baptized or not, my prayer is that this weekend, we would each be able to articulate the deep meaning behind the why of baptism, and reset ourselves on what God calls us to when He calls us into the waters of baptism. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me? Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter three, thirteen to 17, is our text for this morning. The Scripture is going to be coming up on the screen as I read it, as, long, as well as some points. If you're new to the Bible, and you're sitting with it in your hand, and have no idea how to find things in this big book, uh, that's okay. We're glad you're here. Uh, you go to the table of contents, you find the name Matthew, that will take you to a page number. Uh, the chapters are the big bold numbers, you'll see a big number 3, and the small number 13, that's the verse. And that's how you navigate your way through the Bible. So Matthew 3, 13 to 17. You know, I, I just invite you to pause with me in prayer as we launch into this new series called Knowing Why. Father, we come before you this morning, and I pray for a quietness of your spirit, a stillness of your spirit to come upon us. That as we've declared what is true about you to one another, as we've considered some things that are coming for our future, God, in in so many ways, uh, these things can cloud our thinking. We can um, get distracted this morning. But God, I pray that by the stillness and quietness of your spirit, that even in this moment, you'd be settling us and making us steadfast in you. And church, I commission you in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit to this new adventure of knowing why. That over the next number of weekends, as we discover again the meaning, the depth, the passion, the goodness behind these sacred practices that you've called us into. And God, we would grow deeper into, in love with you and deeper into community with one another and be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. Simply by being part of what you're doing here at Rexdale Alliance Church. And I bless you, church, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. It says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I know when we have a gathering like this in the room, and for those online as well, we are you know, so many different places spiritually in our journey. There are some you are in a spiritually investigating phase of your life. You have so many questions and you would say right now you're probably on the outside looking in and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I just want to say I'm so glad you're here. You're in the right place today. I'm glad that you're investigating Jesus. And our hope is as a church we can help you make next step toward Jesus. The reality is that although there may be those investigating the claims of Christ, there are others who have crossed the line of faith, maybe even recently made a decision to follow Jesus, and you're figuring out what it means to be this fully devoted follower of Christ. You said yes to following Jesus Christ, and you're walking with Him. And yet there are others who've responded to the call of Jesus, and maybe have been walking with Jesus for some time, but have yet to go public in your faith by being baptized. So I recognize We're all at different places. But this weekend, we're going to be looking at baptism as a foundational step in following Jesus. And regardless of where you are in your journey with God, understanding baptism as Christians is critical. You see, baptism was so important to Jesus, yet the very first thing he did when he began his public ministry was to be baptized. Before he turned water into wine, before he fed 5,000 hungry stomachs, before he healed the sick, before he delivered the Sermon on the Mount, before he invited even the very first person to follow him, Jesus himself was baptized. In his final instructions to his followers before his ascension, Jesus says to them to go make disciples, fully surrendered followers of me. He said, go make them And the first thing he instructed them to do is, as you teach them to obey everything I've commanded them, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right at the front end of ministry. Baptism was meant to be and is the first steps of many steps in the spiritual life path of following Jesus. And baptism became, right from the start, the practice and pattern of the early church. When 3,000 people, the Bible says, came to faith in Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, it says all 3,000 of them were baptized that day. They chose to follow Jesus and were baptized. There's a story in the scripture of an Ethiopian official. He has the gospel explained to him by a man named Philip. And as they're going along in this chariot, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian asked to be baptized right there. Acts 8.36 says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the man said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? I always loved that story. In hearing the gospel and understanding what it meant to follow Jesus, this man sees like a pond beside the road, and is like, Stop! We're getting in the water. There's nothing that can stand in the way of me being baptized. There are nine conversion stories recorded for us in the book of acts and every single one of them begins with the person putting their faith in jesus christ and in his payment for our sins and every story ends with a visible expression of baptism by that person here's a question for you Well, why was jesus baptized i mean we saw that he was we understand that okay that happened and the early church started to practice it but why was jesus baptized I mean, even John the Baptist was puzzled by that, right? As Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized, John says, whoa, 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 you're getting this all mixed up, Jesus. There's no way that you need to get baptized. You're the son of God. You're the sinless one. You've come to set us free from our sins. We need to back this thing up, John says. How about, Jesus, you come baptize me. That'd be better, because this doesn't make sense. Jesus, there's no reason why you should have to be baptized. You're the Messiah. You're our Savior. It says Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized, and John de- tried to deter him. And that's more. That word deter there is more than just a little, hey, maybe you should rethink this. To deter means to make this steadfast stance against something and say, No, like this is almost wrong. I need to be baptized by you, John says, and you're coming to me. John says, He's the one he needs to be baptized. He says, I'm the sinner here, Jesus. You're not. So why was Jesus baptized? Obviously, there were some important reasons. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to baptism class now. So whether you've been baptized before or not, consider this one of your baptism classes. And we're going to look at four observations about Jesus' baptism and how they apply to each one of us. That the reasons for Jesus' baptism is our reasons as well. Although a little different in some points. But overall, the same idea. So first this. We're going to walk through four of them. If you want to take out something to write with, you're here or you're at home or somewhere else online, take out uh, some notes. You can open your bulletin, open a device. We're going to walk through four observations and then answer some questions about baptism before uh, we get to participate this morning with Jennifer and getting baptized in just a little bit, of, in just a, in a, moment. In a moment. First this. Why was Jesus baptized? He was baptized to Mark a turning point in his life. When Jesus was baptized, he was announcing publicly a change of purpose in his life. In one sense, he was putting down the carpenter tools, hanging up the belt and the toolbox, and from that point on, John the Baptist, his cousin, no longer introduced Jesus as the carpenter from Nazareth, but introduced him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. For 30 years, Jesus had been living quietly, family business, as far as we know, those sort of things... But it was at this baptism where Jesus is saying, this is now the initiation of a brand new thing. I'm stepping onto this path. Baptism was a defining moment. It was a turning point in Jesus' life and ministry. And you know, like Jesus, there comes a point in all of our lives where we recognize a need for some transitions, for a change of purpose, for a turning point. Now, unlike Jesus, we're the moral foul-ups and sinners, aren't we? Like, we get stuff wrong. He didn't. So his turning point was a turning from what he was doing to ministry. Ours is more of a turning from sin towards righteousness. And you just notice in the text, when Jesus says to John, that one of the reasons he's being baptized is to fulfill all righteousness. We wonder, well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is saying this, that in his ministry, that he's about to begin, he is going to become righteousness for all of us. Jesus is saying, this turning point in my life is for all those who will come after me, who will realize that they can't achieve peace with God on their own. And I will become their righteousness, Jesus says. This failure of righteousness in all you people, Jesus said, I'm the sinless one, so I'm going down into the water, I'm going to mark a turning point in my life to show what it means to give yourself fully to the way of God. And he does that. Jesus said in Luke 5.32, He says, I've come to call sinners to turn from their sins. Putting your faith in Christ marks a turning point in your life. And sometimes the Bible would call that, that's repentance. It's a turning from one thing toward someone or something else. Acts 3.19 says, turn from your sins and turn to God so you can be cleansed of your sins. You know, after all, if we didn't need to make some changes in our lives, if there wasn't this need for righteousness and some improvement in our, in our lives, we wouldn't need Jesus Christ at all. And so the baptism of Jesus, what he shows us here, is he's showing us he was making a turning point in his life. As we also need to do. At our baptism, we're announcing a turning point. We are stating that with the grace and power of Jesus Christ in our lives, We are now turning away from lying and gossip and lust. We're going to turn away from apathy toward the poor and the marginalized and the forgotten and the unjustly treated. We're going to turn away from pretending to be spiritual by just coming to church. And we're going to start following Jesus with a fully devoted heart every day of our lives as he gives us the power to do so. Baptism ought to mark a turning point in our lives where we say that with God's power and grace, we're going to depend on him. To help us walk in a brand new direction. Jesus was baptized to mark a turning point in his life. When we're baptized, we're marking a turning point in our life. Here's the second one. That Jesus was baptized to make a declaration. When Jesus was baptized, it was a public thing. It was a public expression of his allegiance to God the Father. And Jesus was so committed to this. So committed to saying publicly, this is what I'm about. You know, when it says casually in the scripture that Jesus traveled from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist, I want you to know that for him, that was a walk of about 100 kilometers. That's what he had to do. When the time came and God the Father said, now is your time, now it's time to start. Jesus went on a 100 kilometer hike, a walk to the river to be publicly baptized. That's how important and how significant this was to him. And you remember what happened after Jesus pledged his commitment to God the Father in the way of baptism. Matthew three, sixteen and 17. We read it. It said, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. I mean, it is so obvious in the text what you have happening here. Is God the Father simply delighting in God the Son? And the commitment was so deep that what Jesus was making here about His life allegiance and His obedience to God the Father, this commitment was so deep that Jesus stayed obedient even to the point of of dying on a cross as the substitute for our sins. Jesus stood in that water and was baptized to say, I am going to follow God the Father. Whatever God wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever the Father tells me to say, that's what I'm going to say. Even though the obedience is going to lead to tremendous suffering, Jesus is saying at this moment, I'm declaring who I follow as as an example for all of us. So when a believer in Jesus Christ gets baptized, we also are making a public expression before God and others about our commitment to fully follow Jesus. It's a statement that says God comes first in my life now. That there's no other gods or no other thing beside God at all. God is preeminent. God is my first and only. And everything comes after Him. That's the declaration that we make in our baptism. That is an awesome commitment. It needs to be this personal, intentional decision that only you can make about the direction and trajectory of your life in glorifying God. So Jesus was baptized to make a declaration. We do the same. Here's third. Jesus was baptized to demonstrate true humility. John the Baptist was absolutely shocked that Jesus asked to be baptized. I mean, it put him off. He said he wasn't even worthy to carry Jesus' sandals, and yet here was Jesus wanting to be baptized. He says, why are you coming to me? He tries to deter him. You know, but Jesus was willing to be baptized to demonstrate that he humbly came to serve and he humbly came to lead by example. You know, he could have said of all people, Jesus could have said, you know, I don't need to do the baptism thing. This whole son of God is going to be my free pass card. I'm going to use that and not get baptized. I mean, he could have been concerned that people might think of him as a terrible sinner, that he'd done something wrong. And here's why he's getting baptized is because he's done horrible things when he hadn't sinned at all. He could have been so captured by fear and resistant resistant to baptism because of what people might have thought of him, but he doesn't. Instead, Jesus steps into the Jordan River, and John, just another human being, lowers God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the King of kings and Lord of lords, under the water, soaking wet, and lifts him back out. (coughs) Why would Jesus do something like that? I think it's so important for us to grasp the demonstration of humility and what this set in motion for Jesus ministry that throughout his ministry, Jesus continually demonstrated a humility like that. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he never asks us to do what he himself isn't willing to do first. And to be honest with you, I think one of the biggest obstacles that some of us have when it comes to being baptized is pride. We feel like there's an image to maintain. We're afraid of what people might think. And pride gets in the way of taking a step of obedience to follow Jesus. But the scriptures tell us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Baptism is a demonstration of that humility. It's an outpouring of God's grace on you. And if because of pride we would say, well, I could never do that. This is the moment where we remember the humility of Jesus. This descending way of Jesus. I mean, the one who could have claimed superiority, the one who could have claimed position, releases it, relinquishes it, to serve and humble himself. Jesus walks miles to the Jordan River and allows himself to be baptized. And he simply says, for all of those who will come after me, I'm asking you in humility to do the same. Here's the last reason why Jesus was baptized. And it was to reveal his ultimate mission. And what was the ultimate mission of Jesus. Well, his ultimate mission was to set us free from the power of sin and death. And he accomplished this mission by dying on a cross as a sinless substitute for us. He was buried in a tomb and raised from the dead eternally. And that's what baptism pictures when a person goes down into the water and is buried like a dead person and then raised back to life and coming back up out of the water. Romans 6, 4 says that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. So every time, every time a person is baptized, it's a reenacting, it's a personal identification with the death, burial, and resurrection, which was the ultimate mission of Jesus to set us free. I mean, even as you think of the movements in the water, which we're going to be seeing in just a moment, Reuben and Jennifer are going to go in the tank in just a little bit, and what you're going to see, and we've seen this before if you've been around Rexdale life, is that someone stands in the water, and the position they take, it's kind of like this. But it's always back like this, we go down into the water. And what we're saying is we're now identifying with Christ in his death, in his burial as, he goes, as we go into the water, and his resurrection unto new life. So even in the posture and movement of the water, we're saying we're stepping into mission with Jesus. And you know, we talk here as a church about the reason we exist is to connect Rexdale to Jesus and his mission. What you're seeing in baptism is a connection to the mission of Christ. It's saying, as an individual, I've chosen to follow him, and now I'm going to identify with him, even to the point of his death, his burial, and now his resurrection. And it's that identification with Jesus in his mission that baptism is a picture of. Now, I think there are probably some of us that are ready to follow Jesus and into baptism at the next possible opportunity. But before you step in, you've kind of got these big questions hanging over you. Like, I would get baptized, but there's some things i got to clear up first. So I just want to uh, devote the remainder of this message of our time to answering the big FAQs, the frequently asked questions that I get about baptism. You may have others. There's going to be opportunity to ask that in the coming weeks. But these are kind of the few questions I get most. And maybe it'll help answer some for you. So we've seen the why behind baptism. All those ideas, those four observations. Let's answer some questions. The first one is this. Get this all the time. So when should I be baptized? When should I do it? Like, what's got to happen? Now, some of you were baptized as babies or little children. And you wonder even questions of, so do I get baptized again? What's with that? And others of you maybe have just recently decided to follow Jesus in your life. And you wonder, so like, how much do I need to know? Or how much do I need to learn before I get baptized? What's the entry requirement into the water? What does the Bible say about that? I want to look at a couple of uh, typical examples of, progression of the progression of events in the Bible. So first of all this. In Acts 8, it says that there was this man named Simon. And he believed in Jesus. He entrusted his life to Christ and then was baptized. Just take note of that progression. He believed and then was baptized in that order. Another example from Acts 18 says there was this man named Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard him and his testimony, it says they believed and were baptized. You're going to see a pattern emerging here if you go through the scriptures. People believed and then they're baptized. Baptized. And that's the pattern that you consistently find in the New Testament church. People would put their faith in Christ and then would express it publicly with baptism. Baptism is only significant after a person has made a step of belief. So the question is, how soon after you make that commitment to follow Jesus, should you be baptized? Well, in the New Testament, the pattern was they did it right away. I mean, again, we go back to that Ethiopian official who just decides to follow Jesus. I don't know, sees a pond. There's a water. What's, stop, what's stopping us? There's some water. What's stopping us? The pattern of Scripture is as people believed, they were baptized. In Acts 16, we read about a guy who came to faith, and even though it was the middle of the night, middle of the night, he and all his family were baptized right then. They all decided to follow Jesus. Now, some people think that once you come to faith, you have to spend some time on getting your spiritual act in order before you take the public step, step of baptism, like get a lot more holy or a little bit more righteous or a little bit more sanctified before baptism counts. If that's the thinking, that just fails to acknowledge what baptism demonstrates, that this is an act of grace. It's a living out of the forgiveness of Christ, an acknowledgement of the transforming work that God does in us. You know, waiting until we grow up in faith is not a requirement of baptism. The requirement is that we have genuinely put our faith in Jesus Christ. We've decided to follow Him. We have responded to the invitation of God to come to Him, and through Jesus, do life His way, not our way. Now, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus three years ago or 15 years ago, but you haven't been baptized yet, what's that? what, what, what does that mean for you? Well, I think... Maybe you haven't. no one's ever explained it to you. Maybe no one's ever invited you to be baptized or you've just put it off. Does it matter how long you've been a Christian before you're baptized? Well, I think when you understand the call of the Scriptures and the call of God's Spirit to be baptized, and you've come to faith in Jesus, and you just follow Him as quickly as you can, you go ahead and do it, whether you made your decision to follow Jesus five minutes ago, five days ago, five months ago, five years ago, 50 years ago. When the light comes on about following Jesus and the importance of baptism, you do it. When you say, well, my parents had me baptized when I was a baby or I was really young. I don't even remember. And I know that's true for many of you. And we ask, well, isn't that good enough? Does that baptism count? Well, often parents want their children baptized primarily as a sign of their dedication and commitment to God. Expressing their intent that one day they hope this child follows Jesus, becomes a fully devoted, passionate follower of Jesus. Now, if your parents did that for you, I think their motivation was probably pure and absolutely in the right place. And you ought to be so grateful for their spiritual concern over your life. And you ought to express gratitude to them for that if you can. But at the same time, as we look at the scriptures, Baptism always comes after someone came to faith. There was this belief. There was this choosing to follow. And so if you decide to be baptized as an adult because you've come to your own sense of faith now, that does not repudiate the baptism you received as a child. It's not like saying, that was bad, now this is good. That doesn't count, that was meaningless, now, now there's meaning. Instead I say, it needs to be viewed as a fulfillment of the very desires and prayers that your parents prayed over you. That you would one day follow Jesus wholeheartedly with your own life. It's an acknowledgement to say mom and dad. What you desired for me at that point. I now give full expression to personally and say your prayers have been answered. That what happened at that first baptism. I'm now saying by a decision of faith to walk with Jesus. And I affirm that and I live that out now. And identifying myself with Christ in his death Burial and resurrection. Now, if you've reached a point in your life where you've made your own decision to put your faith in Jesus, then this is the time to follow his example and follow Jesus and express your decision with baptism. That's when you need to do it. As soon as the light comes on in the next opportunity, which naturally leads into the next question I get all the time So, when are my children? When are children ready to be baptized? At Rexdale Alliance Church, we practice what's called child dedication. And some of you have seen that up on the platform. Or parents, someone will come and stand with their child, and there'll be a prayer of blessing prayed over them. We dedicate that child to God in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what we do here. We don't baptize small children or infants. Why? Well, because we understand what the biblical pattern seems to indicate. And the Bible doesn't speak of infant baptism. And there's no evidence to point that it should be practiced. The only model we have... Is of people who are able to hear the truth, believe it, and choose to be baptized. And that's the biblical pattern that we follow here. So, when should your children be baptized? Well, it's our understanding of Scripture that it should happen in the same sequence that it occurs for the rest of us. That after someone has made the decision to follow Jesus and entrusted their life into his lordship, it's not the time to be baptized because mom or dad thinks it would be fun to have the whole, bat, all the whole family baptized together, and Grandma's in town, and she does have a camera, so why don't you get baptized? That's probably not the best reason. And it's not because brother and sister are getting baptized, or my friends are getting baptized, or it looks like fun to get into the water at church. We talk our kids through this. A child, a young person's ready to be baptized when there's an identification of change, when there's been an opportunity to repent of something. To turn from something and entrust their lives to Jesus. And they're ready to express that outwardly with what's happened inwardly. And so just a word of caution to parents, guardians, whatever else. We need to be wise and discerning. When our children express their desire to be baptized. We need to make sure it's because of a change taking place in their hearts. And not because their friends are being baptized or sister is baptized or the whole family is being whatever. Whenever someone comes to be baptized... You know, they can mouth the right words and we can tell them what to say. And while we're we're all looking at outward appearances, God's looking at what's going on in the heart, in the soul. And that's what we want to be pressing into. You know, I had a conversation with my son. He's 10 years old just the other day. And he asked, he's been hearing about baptism, talk about it from time to time. And he says, Dad, I'd I'd like to be baptized. And um, I just started to talk to him. And I said, well, explain to me what you think that means. And he had some partial understandings. And it ended up being a fantastic conversation. But my guidance for him was simply this. Daniel, Jesus loves you and I know you love Jesus. But we need to wait until you're at another point in life where you're able to express or explain what it means to really turn from sin and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And he was okay with that. And what we need to do as parents sometimes is to take hold of and harness that heartfelt desire of a child, not crush it, Not be like the wet blankets on the fire that God's putting within them, but fuel it. Not with just saying, okay, we'll get in the water. But saying, let's talk about this. Let's pray into that. Let's go into God's word together. And we disciple along our children in a way so when a decision is made, it comes right from their heart and soul about a decision to follow Jesus. Now, I can't can't say that this this part that I'm going to say, I, I can't see this biblically. This is just more coming out of pastoral experience for the last number of years. I've just seen this pattern develop that when children get baptized young, it can often lead to later in life being a point of contention and a point of angst. I've walked with a number of people where, you know, at five, six, seven years old, they get baptized and then they're 16, 17, 18, you know, 10, 12 years later. And they're like, I think I was forced to do that. I don't even know what I was doing. And it becomes this point of contention in their faith. As parents, guardians, those who are giving spiritual leadership over children's lives, we need to find the way. We need the wisdom of God to keep that fire of passion burning, not wet blanketed, but guide them towards true repentance of what it means to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And when we know that the life of a child or a young person has come to the point where there's not just the articulation of an understanding of the gospel, but the evidence in a life that's being transformed. That's when we know it's time to be baptized. Here's the third one. Can I follow Jesus without being baptized? This is probably the one I get the most, honestly. And usually what's behind this is, can I follow Jesus, not get baptized, and if I die, still get to go to heaven? That's usually what's behind the question. Um, To be honest with you, this is the question that always puzzles me a bit because it seems to me that anybody who would want to truly follow Jesus would be willing to do the very first thing that Jesus asks you to do as his follower. And friends, Jesus asks us to be baptized. And he hasn't asked us to do anything that he wasn't first willing to do himself. And it just kind of mystifies me that anyone would be reluctant to be baptized when the one who has died in our place has asked you to do it. And honestly, I think this is the only reason any one of us needs or should need in order to be baptized, is that Jesus asked us to, he told us to, and so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're physically able, the Bible says categorically, you are to be baptized. And that's why it kind of puzzles me, this whole minimum entry requirement thing. Why would we even ask the question, can I follow Jesus without being baptized? Like somehow the whole way of following Jesus is just entrance into heaven. Jesus speaks way more about living out the gospel here and now than he does about life to come in heaven. 1 John 5.3 says, this is what love for God is. You obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. They're life-giving. And so if you understand that Jesus died for you, was buried and rose again, he offers you the free gift of salvation and strength and forgiveness and hope and a clear conscience and a home, yes, in heaven one day. And yet you resist God overtaking the very first step of discipleship and obedience and following him. And then I would ask you to seriously assess where your heart is at with God. Because here's what I found. If we can find a way to say no to God at the start of our following, it sets a precedent of resistance against the promptings of His Spirit. If from the beginning, with the very first thing that God's asked me to do, I find a way around it, I figure out a loophole, I say, well, that's not for me, it actually sets a precedent of resistance against the promptings of the Spirit, and we will start to pick and choose the commands of God that we want to obey. And you don't want to set that precedent. Here's fourth. Why do we encourage people to be immersed under the water? Many different forms, uh, methods of baptism practiced in different church circles, Christian circles, and some, they predominantly practice sprinkling, others pouring, others completely immersed in the water. And there are some that even have the tradition of going under the water three times. They go down once in each name of the, God the Father, back up, God the Son, back up, and God the Holy Spirit. Here, we only put you under once, but we like to hold you there till we see bubbles. That's kind of what our <laughs> mode of operation is. Don't worry, Jennifer, we're not going to do that. It's okay. At Rexdale Alliance Church, we practice baptism by immersion unless there's some kind of compelling physical reason to prevent it because immersion seems to paint the most powerful picture of dying to sin and rising in Christ. And ultimately, we know it's not the water that saves anybody or the amount of water that saved anybody. We testify to the truth, it's Jesus that does the saving. And our baptism is this outward expression of an inward change when we've decided to follow Jesus. Here's last and real quick. What are the logistics of being baptized? This may be the biggest question for some of you. And even though it's just kind of on a practical level, people often have lots of questions like, okay, where do I go? What should I bring? Do I need to bring a towel? Do I need to hold my nose? Like, what do I do in the water? What's going on there? And those are great questions. And all of those can be answered on June 11th. That's our next baptism class. And you can sign up for that and have some of your questions answered. And I do hope that if you're considering baptism, as soon as we have a number of people that want to be baptized, we'll hold another baptism service. But there is a class happening on June 11th. What about those of us that have already been baptized? Has this kind of morning just been a total write off? Like, we know that. On we go. Has that been it? No, not at all. You know, the practices of the way of Jesus in the church always call us back to remembrance. For those who have been baptized, do you remember your baptism? Remember testifying before a group of people and whether it was in a river or in a pool or at a church or wherever. Do you remember your baptism? I think one of the reasons that Jesus gives us these practices that we come back to, to be, and remind us of the why. I think it's one of the reasons is this and why there's repetition in the practices of the church. It's because we so often we start to struggle with sin. We struggle with temptation. We have spiritual drift and apathy. And every time God invites us to go back to our baptism and remember our identity in Christ. Baptism becomes like this anchor point for our faith. You know, as we kind of climb and grow and, and make our way in Jesus, there are times that we're going to fall, we're going to mess up. And baptism is like this anchor point in the wall that says, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what mistakes occur, I'm not going to fall any further than this anchor point of baptism that reminds me of my identity in Christ. You think of it. The father speaks these words of identity over Jesus. He says, you're my son. I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased with you. And the scriptures would indicate that he is saying the same thing to us. He's saying, you are my loved son. You are my loved daughter. You can now live out the reality of your place in the father's heart. And baptism is what serves as that anchor point for all of us. So that when we participate now and celebrate with someone being baptized... As those who've been baptized already, this is our moment to celebrate what God is doing, what God has done, and what He's going to do in redeeming and transforming lives. And so it matters. It matters more than often we think. I want to ask you to just do one thing. In your bulletin, There's an insert in there about baptism. I'd like everybody to take it out. For those joining us online, you obviously don't have a bulletin. We didn't send ushers out to deliver things to you. Uh, This week on the website, we're going to post uh, this sheet that everybody's taking out. So sorry, folks online, just have to bear with us. There's an insert in the bulletin. And on it, there's four boxes. There's four things that you can identify with. And I'm going to ask everybody to do this. There's a, and it's on both sides. And in a, moment, in a little while, the ushers are going to pick those up on the end of the aisle. But if you need, a, if you need one of these, if you want to just stick your hand up, we'll get one to you if you don't have one. Okay, right up here. We need one up here. Thanks, Peter. It's simply this. This little handout, the first one is, I understand why baptism is important. We're just assessing together as a church that, no, I understand the why. And whether I've known my whole life and was just reminded of some things, you can just check that box. I understand why baptism is important. Maybe just let us know. Yeah, I've been baptized. But there's two more boxes there that I want you to pay attention to. One says, I just want to know more about baptism. And the, the, the fourth one, I think baptism is my next step. If you check either of the bottom two boxes, would you just give us some contact information? We promise to treat your information uh, respectfully and securely. But just let us know that maybe this is the weekend where God is prompting your heart as one of His followers that, no, I do understand why baptism is important. And I need to know more. But I really do think my, that baptism might be my next step. It is our privilege as a church to walk with you and to see that done together. So just take a moment to do that. Now go in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he walks with you, he's for you, he delights in you, as his loved sons and daughters. Go in that grace. Have a great week.